0: You're listening to the A. Scully cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A. Scully and Sid Talk. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good afternoon, good night. Uh, good morning. Only one of those is correct. It is. I think it's the good night se- section.
1: Good night the then. Goodbye. Have a nice night.
0: Goodbye. See you all
1: later. <laughs> End of conversation.
0: It is. Well, um, what were we talking about? What was the before the show?
1: Uh, hmm. Very random. Random stuff. You talked about listening to podcast tips. I didn't really talk about anything except my sims. I was watching myself as a sim do yoga. I said, I'm doing yoga. But I don't think that counts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think doing yoga in a video game actually counts to the daily Unless it's like
1: VR, in which you're doing it. But I'm not doing it. My sim is doing it for me. And yes... She kind of looks like me. If you want to know how nerdy I am about the Sims.
0: Um how is the new expansion pack for the Sims that you're playing?
1: It's fun. I got I
0: got laundry stuff. Laundry stuff.
1: <laughs> so it's very riveting. Exciting. Yeah. Riveting. Yes. It's it's always fun.
0: So you, what it actually adds the ability to do laundry. Something Correct. That in real life is a chore and boring.
1: Something that you think is boring because you're the one who does our laundry. So unfortunate for you.
0: <laughs> well, it's not exactly thrilling,
1: is it? <laughs> I mean, I don't do it. Uh-huh. I'm not great at the laundry. I will, uh, I have no rules about it. I will shove it all in together. And some people right now are screaming or wincing or vomiting from the horror of it all. But yeah, nah, I just wash it all together. It doesn't matter what it is. And then uh, dry it all together.
0: <laughs> That's why I do the laundry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is a marriage that works on the basis of don't touch the laundry. So I don't.
0: All right, so you are listening to After the Show. This is a podcast, a podcast where we review movies each week. And uh, it's Saturday, January the 27th, 2018. This is After the Show 515. We are looking at the movie Last Flag Flying. It's going to be released on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, the 30th. It's rated R, and it's from our friends at Lionsgate, who sent us a copy for review. And Sid Talk will give you the synopsis of the movie Last Flag Flying.
1: Hmm. Three Vietnam vets in 2003 set out on an adventure that is sad and uplifting and thoughtful all at the same time. I don't know if you're calling it an adventure, but it is kind of.
0: Kind of an adventure. So
1: uh, it's about last... a lot of things, so it's hard to summarize.
0: So last flag flying, Sid Talk was expecting a completely different movie. Yeah, to I was what w- she expecting
1: got. Wild Hogs, just because of the.
0: Uh, explain what Wild Hogs is. Uh,
1: it's a, another movie with aging actors who have been of all kinds, of all genres, come together. I think it was who was it? John Travolta.
0: That guy, Tool Time.
1: Tool Time guy. A couple of others, and they're sort of like sowing their wild oats as middle-aged men. And then, of course, discovering the humanity of aging and,
0: you know, all that shit. It it was technically, it was what I would uh, say is shite. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It
0: wasn't wasn't good. It wasn't funny. But this uh, podcast is not a review of that terrible movie. (laughs) And this isn't funny either. (laughs) No, it's not. Well... (laughs) <laughs> this is classed as a war comedy I meant on this, IMDb. I
1: meant this podcast.
0: Oh, yeah, this is definitely not funny. <laughs> and all, my parts are funny. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, Last Flag Flying, um, it's a Richard Linklater film. You'll know him from Boyhood and many other movies that he's done. He's actually has done a comedy movie called uh, School of Rock with Jack Black, which was a straight-up comedy movie. But this movie, Last Flag Flying, is, even though it says comedy and uh, war, I would say it's more of a drama with some funny parts. I mean, most everything has something funny in it, doesn't it? Something. If, I if don't there's know. no levity whatsoever. Oh, I'll tell you what. There's no levity <laughs> whatsoever. Lincoln.
1: Correct. Well, no, no. He told a couple of jokes.
0: They weren't funny, though, right?
1: <laughs> I'm just saying that was, there was levity there.
0: But you know what I'm saying? If it deals with real life and, uh, you know, situations such as this movie does, death, there's always going to be something funny uh, involved in that. Because the way we are as human beings, we... um, we...
1: I think if you can't find the humor or feel that it's acceptable, and I'm not talking about every situation that I've never been in, so I don't know every situation, so don't be thinking like, well, hor-, you know... I've had a horrible, horrible tragedy in my life. You can't tell me anything funny about it. Okay, that's fine. That's your life, but overall in my life, there's been death, there's been illness, there's been tragedies, there's been sadnesses of all kinds, right? And yet, there's still always something to, like, drop your shoulders and kind of, like, get out of yourself and look at it a little different and find the that in this moment... (laughs) <laughs> it's okay to laugh Or even at that thing that seems so horrible I mean, that's just That is life True. And that's kind of what they're digging around here
0: Yeah, so this movie follows um, This group of men on a road trip of sorts Across America Well, not across America From one place to another It's not very far, is it? Um. And yes, there will be some spoilers here You said it in the synopsis Or did you say it in the synopsis Or was you more vague? I was vague yeah, well, one of the men, Steve Carell's character, his son has been killed in action. And he is going to to get the body. And um, things are not always as they seem. See?
1: No, he was just going to go through the motions of what the government and the military were going to have him do. He was, do.
0: but it leads him to go. Correct. Yeah, like the situations lead him to go and get the body. And... You know, then it's a road trip to bring the body back to be buried. Which sounds like a, a laugh a minute, doesn't it? But that's not what it is. It is it's a really, like, somber... Um,
1: what was that one with Johnny Knoxville? About taking a body somewhere? Yeah,
0: true. Uh, I can't remember what that was called. That so was quite good as well, wasn't something it? Something
1: Johnny... Mr... I can't remember what it was.
0: Johnny Knoxville was really good in that, actually. That was like a road trip coffin movie. <laughs>
1: And then there's always weekend into Bernies, but there's no coffin.
0: And there's all, and there's also um, what do you call it? National Lampoon's Vacation has a bit of a uh, dead body moment.
1: Yeah, not the same. <laughs> it's not all about that lady.
0: But this one, no, don't take this as a comedy. Really, it's really a drama with, you know, hints of humor interspersed. Now, when it started, um, you know. We start by, it starts with this scene where Steve Carell walks into a bar. That sounds like a joke, but it's not. (laughs) He walks into a bar and encounters his friend from old times, who's played by Brian Cranston. And I thought that that scene, it felt really awkward. uh, Not very good. Do you you get what I'm saying? Which one? The opening scene where Carell walks into the bar and then he gets to know, you know, they realize that they're old friends and then it's a bit of a talk. It felt a bit clumsy or something to me, and I was like, oh, no, this isn't going to be very good.
1: Hmm. I disagree. That was fine.
0: And Cranston was being very, um... Bigger than life. Stage play type acting.
1: He did that quite often, but I didn't mind it after a while. I kind of got into that, that's his character. And that's
0: exactly what I'm saying. Like, at first, it was a bit jarring. I was like, oh, is this one of those films where it's all in this bar and it's just like a monologue type thing, you know? that could be done on a stage. And then as it, as it started to unwind, and we moved to a different location shortly after, I was like, oh yeah, I get this constant character. At first I thought, oh, this is really overwritten and seems a bit actly," But um, I actually got to like him, even though he's not 100% likable, the constant no. character, because he does... Well, he's likable if you like a guy who just says what he means and doesn't really give a crap. Which I do. You do like a character. But I know like, that's not likable. But you also know that this carriage is also a little bit too much, right? He's Um uh, I mean I bet you didn't like his eating style, like, I can I can tell probably. When he's eating that pie, I was like, Oh, I bet you I bet you're hating this part.
1: ha, uh, I didn't notice actually.
0: Oh, he's kind of a bit sloppy with his eating. But there again. I'm moving maybe, off on you. Maybe you're immune. No, it w didn't bother me, but I was thinking, <laughs> Oh, I bet you hate it. But he's kinda of like this you know He's We all know a guy like that, probably. You know you, a guy like that?
1: You know me. I'm pretty, you know, I'm not rude, but I am to some people. He's just... Because I will say whatever, almost, and I don't always have a lot of limits on my, you yeah, know...
0: Unfiltered, this guy Yeah. Is. He's really unfiltered. And also, hidden beneath the layers of onion of unfilteredness, he's also really broken. Like he... Sure. Like he needs somebody his life's kind of spiraling because there's nothing, you know, he's an alcoholic. He, you know, you can tell he's not very happy and Carell turning up and Carell's the opposite to him. He's like, um, very quiet, kind of timid, shy, almost kind of guy. And, um, I, you know, I thought that was played really well. Eventually they meet up with a third friend who's Lawrence Fishburne's character who, it, they were all soldiers together, and Fishburne's character has decided that you know he's found God, and he's he's all that he's ashamed kind of of the old days. But then the whole film is really them all connecting together, and there's kind of some value in what they did, and like there's a camaraderie that can never be, you know. It tells it's a lot of real stuff here, isn't it? Like yeah. people who go to war, they form they you know, they form this bond together and then it all ends and then you're kind of in your standard existence of a life on your own and you know, you maybe don't see those people ever again and you're all kind of broken in a way because of what you did. You know, 'cause it's not they don't go into detail, these two these three soldiers. They do a little bit, tell some stories, but you know, Probably didn't, it probably wasn't very nice being in Vietnam, right? <laughs> Which is where they were. I think that's an understatement. And, um, you know, it has to change people. So, any war, every war, but yeah. Yeah. And the other layer on top of this is Carell's son is a, you know, 20 year old soldier who twenty one. been killed. And, um, you know, it's like cycl- cyclical. Is that the right word? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Like, you know, we just, you know, it says, it, it tries to tell us, you know, America or any country like it it grinds this war machine, it sends these people out, you know, it, it brainwashes soldiers into like why are you going to do this, you know, blah 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 and then but it it's not 100% the movie's message.
1: No, it's like, not anti or for anything. That's what I like about it. It doesn't commit to being now, like you... it's not a it's not a pulpit. Or a soapbox, necessarily. It has messages of these individuals and how they see the world. And it all combines to be, you know... It doesn't go in any one direction. Now, some people might think it does because they're not actually listening or paying attention to all of it. You have to really listen to everybody and all their stuff. All the nuances of the dialogue. And then you get that nobody's saying... This, this, or this are bad or good. The only thing that is said that is definite is that war is bad. Yeah, war is bad. I it, but I mean, that's kind of the idea. And then I think it's not an anti-war film or anti-military at all. It's none of that.
0: It's almost... Uh, it, yeah, and it's very... But I can
1: see how people would think that.
0: It's very respectful to the military, though, as well. Apart, very. Apart from, you know, there's a there's a moment in the film where Corel. Whose, you know, son has died is lied to by the military to make him f- not feel as bad. Which then you, that whole thing of, so your son dies, and then they come and tell you, and you say to them, How did he die? And they act the way he died isn't actually that, how would you, what would you call it?
1: It wasn't like in the line of duty necessarily. No, it's it was- just that if you, however you think of it, and the military would think of it this way, that. He died because he wouldn't have died if he hadn't been there.
0: Yeah, he died because we sent him into a war. Exactly. Therefore,
1: right. he is a hero. And, and so
0: it, And it just so happens the son it wasn't an action. It wasn't like during a battle he got sniped or something like that.
1: They said he was ambushed and saved some people and that seems to be the general story that they tell people.
0: Yeah, to me, when
1: something not as
0: to make it easier for the grieving person like look, your son was a hero, he saved these people and died in the line of duty, is better than saying, well, they were all just having a drink and one of them got shot. You know? I don't know if
1: it's easier. I but, mean, it's- no, I,
0: I, I, disagree. I don't think it's easier either, but I think it seems like the way to go for the military, but it's terribly wrong, right? It's terribly wrong. You should, no matter what, the truth should be told shouldn't it even if if well
1: that was another one of the lessons of the movie because yeah. that's what cranston thinks and then he's faced with the rea- the truth about the truth and that yeah. there are times when your agenda to tell the truth and your guilt or your whatever it is is less the truth of what you want to tell is less important than the person holding on to the lie and so you have to, it's a situation like case
0: by case basis. And, um, you know, is I, I, my personally, I feel like lying to the, you know, I mean, it's
1: you can't really say cause you don't know, but yeah. seems
0: like the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. Like, so say, say it was a bad thing. Say, um, your son died because he wasn't paying attention and somebody sniped him. He was actually clowning around and goofing off. Now, but then
1: again, he wouldn't be there if he wasn't a soldier and hadn't committed to being a soldier but, and sent to war.
0: But should the parents be told, well, he was just being a dick and he got killed because of it? Or should they say, well, no, he was a hero? Just because that sounds better.
1: I think it depends on the family, actually. You know. To
0: me, it's, it just seems very, very wrong. And when that guy was... You could... Well, also, (laughs) the guy who's... But then we've never experienced this, so we don't know. No, but also the guy who um, was told to tell him what happened is just a guy in a chain, in a line, isn't he? Like, who's been told to say whatever you have to say. Is the line what you're told to say? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not a person... He's not a person who was with him or a person who knew him, even. It's it's weird. It's a whole weird situation. And... um, I, f- I found it interesting the whole scene where um, they were saying, like, Carell said, I need to see my son now. And the guy say Well, you don't want to see him because he was shot in the back of the head and that doesn't have a good, you know, the face might be messed up or whatever. And he's like, No, I really want to see him. And then I was, um, when he went to look at him, I was like, That's a really hard decision, right? It's oh. not, not a decision yes. you can make in a split second, I don't think. But.
1: Not unless it's just something as a person you voice. Always- Just thought that, you know.
0: And the guy said, you know, if you look at it, you won't be able to unsee that. uh, And I think that would would be the thing you would remember, wouldn't it? Because my grandma died, um, and she was in hospital. And I have lots of memories of me and my grandma. But the night before she died, I was, as a a child, taken to the hospital to see her. And she was terribly ill, and she was uh, jaundice. And that is why, when you, if you say what you remember your grandma. I remember a line in the bed being jaundice. Mm-hmm. I don't remember her. the first thing that comes to mind is always that. Not oh, it was great like making a cake with my grandma on a Sunday afternoon. So, but you're a little kid. Yeah, I know, but and then don't don't we operate the same even as an adult brain? Nah, I mean. I I can
1: speak from experience. No, I was with my grandfather the moment he died and my father. And that's not how I think. That's not my immediate thought of either of them. Like, not immediately. Mm. It's woven into the story of their life. But no, it doesn't just pop into my head first. And I was like, literally right there. So I think it just depends on your age because I was an adult. So I don't know. I think that's why it brings up really good topics that a lot of times you don't see in a war movie or a comedy or a drama, these really uncomfortable, like, is it okay to be joking around and being kind of like the Cranston characters kind of vile a a lot of times in this situation where you've got your sadly dead son in a box right next to you on the train and you're all laughing it up. Like, that's a situation where a lot of people would, because of pomp and ritual and what, they think other people would think of them would be totally against. Like, you don't sit there and laugh, and you don't joke around, and this is unacceptable, whereas in this situation, these people are just
0: coping. And that's one of the things I really liked, because Cranston's character, you could think, oh, well, he's harsh, and he's, like, vile, and all that stuff. But then, occasionally, you get a glimpse of Carell's character, and he said something harsh and vile, and Carell's smirking and laughing like it's, oh, like, It is something that's cutting the pain from him. Like, oh, this this guy's sense of humour that I know, yeah, it seems a bit out of order and all that, but it actually is making me feel something else. So you do see that in the movie. It's quite interesting. Um, And also with Fishburne's character being a man... I said to you, it was a really good performance because it felt like a person who has changed his life by becoming this preacher and playing the straight and narrow game, stopped drinking... But underneath, when he's interacting with his old friends, the real man, which is the man he is, pokes through every now and then. Yeah. And uh, he tries to rein it back, like, oh, no, I'm the man of the cloth. And you see him swear a couple of times, and it's like, ooh. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting movie. Um, It has a lot of... You know when I don't like a Spike Lee film because it's full of like political agenda and all that stuff? This Mm. does feel like it has some of that. Sometimes, a bit, little bit, when it shows you the TV footage of Saddam Hussein and stuff. Um, But then it doesn't go too far, you know? Uh, I I also felt like a lot of this movie was um, ad-libbed and uh, improvised. There's a lot of scenes that just felt... See, um, Linklater did Boyhood, which was nominated for the Oscar that year, and that movie was mostly um, improvised, so... I know for a fact that he likes that kind of thing. And a lot of the scenes in this where they just sat talking. And, you know, I'd say 95% of this movie is just three blokes talking. Right? It feels like it, yeah. And um, some people might say, oh, God, how boring. But it it's really low-key. It's not exciting. But you feel like you get to know some people, which is what I like about drama movies, you know. It doesn't necessarily have to. Be a big action sequence or some. I mean, it does get a little bit. Does it ever get goofbally? Maybe the little U haul truck thing and the woman reporting them and stuff. You know.
1: Yeah. Try. It. Yeah. That, well.
0: That's where it kind of. For me, that I don't know. Does that 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 bit didn't seem fully real or something? That f- a bit movie like. But uh, in general, it's just three guys. They're just traveling. They're either in a car, a train, or they are, where else are they? In a restaurant <laughs> or walking down the street. And cell phone store. It
1: was 2002, 2003. So cell phones were like a new thing. And they're, so they're buying cell phones. They
0: introduced cell phones in this, uh, in, in you know. Yeah, they all go and buy one. I, I thought there was going to be more to that than just that scene of them buying them and then walking along, you know? Hmm. thought it was going to be some kind of big device that they had the phone. but. Um, so moving on to the cast here, Brian Cranston plays Sal Nealon. Um, you can have your opinion of Brian Cranston.
1: I'm not usually a huge fan of Brian Cranston, as you know, and I think this time, even though there was that, he's overthinking it as a performer being that guy, there are many shining moments of that, that guy, that is... Overly foul-mouthed and cutting, and too abrasive, and kind of scary because you never know what he's going to do, and yet ultimately he actually has everyone's best interest at heart, and I think that comes through. And I thought, I mean, I was, I'm more like, okay, Cranston, Cranston's all right.
0: Yeah, but he, it, um, he's definitely got that theater kind of actor delivery, hasn't he? You know?
1: Yeah, like he's overthought it instead of just being it.
0: Yeah, slightly. Yeah, that's, that's how I see him. Lawrence Fishburne plays Richard Mule. I liked Cranston, by the way. I, I love Breaking Bad. It's one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Um, But I'm not the kind of person who's like, oh, yeah, Cranston can do no wrong. Because, I mean, I saw Godzilla. Godzilla. That wasn't great, was it? You know? Godzilla. And I'm trying to think of other things we saw him in where I was like, eh, I could take him or leave him, you know? But uh, Lawrence Fishburne plays Richard Mueller. What did you think of Fishburne?
1: Much better, too. Again, i they've picked some people in this movie, other than Carell, who I actually think is quite good, who I'm like, hey, they're overrated. I don't get the big deal, but I thought Fishburne was really good, and part of it was these three people together bring out the best in each other.
0: Yeah, this is clearly, like, the cast of this is what, sells the movie really isn't it like sometimes when you go oh look it's three people we know on the cover (laughs) and that's just been they've just been put together to go you know let's sell the movie off the back of these three big actors but no these three actors you mean
1: like wild hogs (laughs) yeah
0: probably yeah but these three actors actually work together that's how how it feels um Lawrence Fishburne what's his greatest role
1: you know blue pill red pill
0: Morpheus in The Matrix. Uh, That's what I said. I would say, um, you know what? I hate Spike Lee movies, but do the right you thing. You don't
1: hate them all.
0: Yeah, do the you... right thing, which I really hated. But I think he was really good in it.
1: You don't hate them all. That's not a fair assessment. That's not what you've ever said before. You don't like a lot of it. You do like some of I like one, that. one
0: Spike Lee movie. So, all right, I don't hate them all. I like That's one fair. of them. Um, but do the right thing, I think it was, that he was in. Um, I think that might be his... yeah um yes he's good as Morpheus right and wasn't did, what I else mean Morpheus
1: we, is very specific. So what else I did think... we see him in as a
0: superhero? Oh, um, Man of Steel. He was um, it was his boss in Man of Steel, newspaper newspaper guy. Two. Um, but that was just a there wasn't really much to that. But yeah, I liked him in and this. it wasn't great. Uh, Man of Steel like is fantastic. No,
1: his him. Right. Was not great.
0: But yeah, I liked him in this. Um, You could definitely, it was a multidimensional guy. You know, even without him explaining it, you could see something was not, even the second they walked into that room to meet him. It was, you know, when he was doing his um, preach sermon. Yeah. Even then I was like, no, this guy's not exactly that. I can tell. Like, it's... Steve Carell plays Larry Shepard. This is the best performance for me in this whole thing. And you know what? He probably says the least, right?
1: Oh, yeah. He's not very talkative.
0: He's not talkative because he's obviously grieving his son. And his wife died as well. Yeah, we forgot that part. Yeah.
1: In one year, sadly, he lost his wife and his son. It's really terrible.
0: Just to lay it all down on the line and make it really, you know, heart string tugging. But Carell is just quiet and silent. He lets the other, you know... Um, Cranston does enough talking for everybody, really. Correct. You see Carell and you see some of the stuff Cranston says and Carell's just reacting to it and the reacting to it is the best acting. Cause he's, it's like, he's a man who's grieving. You have to always remember that. And it's not, it's not happy days for him at all. Like he, but he, but out of this, he's met up with some old friends and the old friends part of it. Because of the unfiltered nature of Cranston and his other friend who's godly but not preachy to his friends, it you can see that he's like um it's kind of repairing him. Yeah. as as the movie progresses. Like his
1: comfort, his blanket.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, he's offered an opportunity towards the end of the movie and I was like, I wonder if that actually comes of comes of maybe it won't, you know you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um Maybe that won't work out. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it would. But uh, it's a hopeful thing. Um, and then also, there's a fourth man in this movie. who's played by J. Quinton Johnson, and he's called Washington. And you explain who that guy is.
1: Um, He's the best friend of the son, and also a marine and is given the order to basically escort the body of the young man. So he ends up on the road trip, basically, with these men and the body.
0: Yeah, and he was very good. Very good. Yeah, like, you know, he'd been given orders from his superior, but I don't think that really mattered because he was his actual friend, right? So he knew what his friend wanted. He knew what he wanted, yeah. Yeah, and he was very, you know, he was trying to be a soldier, but then the three guys were trying to make him into a human being instead. Like, there's all that kind of interaction with him. But he was really good, I thought. Directed by Richard Linklater, you know him from... He's made quite a lot of movies, actually. Boyhood, A Scanner Darkly, which is an awesome rotoscoped kind of movie. He also made another rotoscope movie called Waking Life, which was also good. School of Rock, Dazed and, Conf- Dazed and Confused, the After Midnight movies. Um, he's made a lot of stuff. You know who he reminds me of a bit? Um, the guy who did Logan Lucky. You know, um... Steven Soderbergh. Steven Soderbergh does lots and lots and lots of movies. In fact, if you went and looked at Steven Soderbergh's list, you'd be like, holy crap, how many movies does he make? Like, I don't even know half of them. But this guy as well, he just seems to... There's no specific... You can't chart it, can you? You can't go, oh... No. Richard Linklater does this type of movie, because he doesn't. Like, look at School of Rock and look at this movie.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which is good.
0: Yeah, and he tends to do, like... He doesn't do big blockbustery things... Cause even boyhood was not a big blockbustery thing, was it? It was a kind no. of an artsy movie almost. So, um I like him. This movie doesn't have like a major director kind of buzz about a uh, thing about it to me. It feels very matter of fact. There's nothing clever like It's very utilitarian. Yeah, the cinematography's adequate. Like it I mean that might It doesn't need to
1: be anything. It so, doesn't, does it? I no. mean
0: it's a it's a character thing. It's not track it doesn't need to be flashy, it doesn't need the camera spinning around people, it doesn't need to be action packed. The soundtrack's really um the the score and the soundtrack is very low key as well. There's nothing that really stands there's a Bob Dylan song at the end, but aside from that, it's very there's not a lot of music even. Like it's Mm-mm. it's pretty matter of fact. Here's these guys. And I think that works. But, you know, Boyhood, if you go back and look at Boyhood by Richard Linklater, that's got a very, it, there's something about that, the way it's made. And there's where you see, like, a director directing, whereas this, it's, you know, it works, let's say. So uh the Blu-ray.
1: Rave. That's a rave review of the drive. It works. It's good.
0: Yeah, but it's you would I could show you this movie, and not tell you it was directed by you would not guess who it was directed by. So maybe that's a good thing. Um, the special features on this Blu-ray are deleted scenes. There's a making of, which is about fifteen minutes long, which is actually pretty quite good. There's outtakes because, like I say, there's a lot of improv here, and there's a, a Veterans Day featurette. So uh, there's those are your extras. Um, nothing mind blowing, to be honest. That making of was what I kind of expect from these kind of movies, but um, that's your extras. So conclusion on a uh, last flag flying. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it. Um, I would, you know, when I say some, sometimes um, I'd recommend this, and you say I wouldn't recommend this to anybody. I would pre- preface my uh, re- I'd recommend I would recommend this because I think it's a good piece of drama. But I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, because I do reckon that a lot of people would think, A, it might be a little bit heavy-handed with its message, and B, it's um, boring. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yep. Um, so, you have to specifically be into, like, drama and, like I said, the movie is two hours and five minutes, and the majority of that is three blokes talking. Mm-hmm. If, if that sounds interesting to you...
1: I don't think, I think you're really not giving it a fair shake. No, I like in it. The, in your, I know you like it, but by saying that, it doesn't, <laughs> it's not fair. It's just a drama. It Most is. Most dramas
0: it is, but are I'm not saying... a
1: bunch of crap happening. No, it but is...
0: boyhood's a drama also, but there's like a something.
1: Well, it's got a hook. Yeah. So that's not. And un- this has got a
0: hook. Not comparable. To...
1: Does it?
0: Well, the hook is the death, right? And no, nah, it's just
1: the... a standard story of a man grieving and needing some support. And then it's a road trip buddy movie dealing with grief. I mean, there's nothing new or special about it, really. Except it's well done. It's just like any other drama where people are... I mean, if you think about it, Silence of the Lambs doesn't exactly have like high action. It's a little bit grotesque and has some big ta But it's also a lot of just weird quietness you know so I'm not sure if that's a measure of anything. So I
0: really like this movie but um.
1: You do but you're not giving it a very good description. But you
0: as the other person on the other end of this yeah, your mileage may vary is what I'm saying. Um, it's
1: always like that. Hmm? It's always like that.
0: It is but <laughs> I would say more so for this maybe and especially let's say you don't like one of these guys actors. it just irk you. Yeah. That could really... Because it's a lot of Cranston, i got to say. If you don't... But isn't that...
1: I'm not trying to be snotty, but isn't that the same for any movie? If you don't like Larry Fishburne, then you're not going to like The Matrix. If, if you
0: watch Man of Steel and you don't like Larry Fishburne, well, the the two scenes that he's in aren't going to ruin Man of Steel. Yeah, but really.
1: if you don't like him and you watch The Matrix, or if you don't like Keanu Reeves and you try to watch The Matrix, it's it's all the same in every movie. If you don't like the performer, but I don't particularly like Larry Lawrence Fishburne or Cranston. And yet I watched this and enjoyed it.
0: Right. So, so you have a differ of opinion here. So yeah, but you're, fair.
1: what I'm saying is you're incorrect that just because you dislike a performer. Oh,
0: no, you can't be incorrect with your opinion. My opinion is this and your no, opinion. No,
1: your opinion is not accurate because I've just given you an example of how I didn't like a person and then I watched a movie. It changed my opinion of the person. Therefore, if you say to everyone, if you don't like Cranston, you probably won't like this, that's not a fair statement. Well,
0: all right then. My, my statement will be revised, and it will be revised to, if you don't like Cranston being really actually like he's on the stage, that might gri- grate on you a bit.
1: Not necessarily. You might like the character that if he's If you do being. like
0: Cranston actually on the stage, we'll love it. Because it is... You know what? This movie could be a stage play. I kept thinking that. Um, it's It's pretty...
1: Once they're in a place, it's pretty subtle, yeah. sedentary.
0: Still, right? It's, you know, you could set this up of maybe five or six of the main scenes, and it could be on a Broadway play, right? And you, it would still tell the whole story. You don't need to have like them traveling. Well, they're in a train car, they're in a restaurant. You know what I mean? Like it could be a stage play type thing, which is good if you like stage plays. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, – I'd say recommend, and you'd say recommend. Uh,
1: well, it depends on the person. I'm not like you. I'm not like black and white. I wouldn't say, yep, everybody watch Maybe it to anybody. It.
0: Maybe we should change all this uh, podcast and have a, a scale instead so we don't just say recommend or don't recommend, because every week when we do that <laughs> – You'll say, well, I don't know. But why
1: do I have to recommend it? Just because that's the way your mind works. I don't no, think... No, I'm so.
0: saying uh, I, every week I bring up, should we recommend or should we not recommend? It? And every week uh, you it'll, it'll boil down to, I either recommend it or I don't recommend it. Or I don't know. You have to get, make up your own mind. Right. So then there is no point in that scale. So maybe we should just have a number scale or a star scale. Why are you
1: talking about? Because I put a number on every review. uh, this
0: gives me a... I give this a three out of five or, you know.
1: No, because I think your opinion of recommendation is fine. I just don't believe that it's reasonable because...
0: So, uh, as a listener, if you'd like us to have like a... Because maybe you don't read the um, actual review on the website and this is your... You know, I know people just listen to this podcast. I'm
1: Um, I'm not sure if you're solving any problem by replacing your recommendation with a number.
0: I'm just asking the listeners to email me mm. whether they would like a number. And I'm not sure Starscape. why you've
1: started doubting it to begin with because you like to say whether you think someone should see a movie and you know people who like to be told what to watch for God knows why, but they do and they'll take your word for it. So that's something that is interesting to you. To me it isn't because if someone tells me to watch a movie,
0: nobody I'm ever, like why are you, tell you telling them.
1: me to watch something? People this- do
0: because I know a lot about movies, people mm. often say to me, can you recommend a movie?
1: They ask me that too, and I say, well, yeah. it's really tough. <laughs> here's some movies I like, and here's what they're kind of like, so go watch them and decide for yourself. And I'll
0: usually say, well, these are the last four movies I saw, and the, fir- the you know this one and this one were really great, and this one yeah, I was in the middle of, and this one I disliked. You know what I mean?
1: And that's supposed to encourage or discourage them?
0: I, th- I think that that's what they're looking for when they ask, right? Mm-hmm. When they ask for a recommendation, and I they say, "Did you like the mountain between us?" And I go, "As you know, it, it entertained me for two hours, but it was nothing mind blowing." That was my feeling on it. And they'll go, "Okay, I don't know whether they'll go away and <laughs> decide, right? Well, just because he thinks that I'm going to watch it, or I'm just going to blow it off and never watch that one." But um people do look to us for recommendations, so I'm recommending the Last Flight Flame. Okay. So thanks to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray, and uh, if you want to enter a contest, go to aiscully You can enter one. Uh, next week's uh, movie review will be the uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So because we've not seen Blade Runner for some time, you less time, than, you more time than me, right? You, when did you see Blade Runner last?
1: Only once, probably when it was on VHS. Oh, God,
0: that long Or maybe
1: ago? HBO in the 90s, early 90s.
0: Well, you bought me the Blu-ray of Blade Runner for Christmas one year. And we never watched it. I never watched I it. And I did watch it on my computer <laughs> one day. So I've probably seen it in the last eight years. <laughs> but we're going to actually watch Blade Runner probably, yes. on, probably the night before we watch 2049. So it's con- concurrent because that actually works better, doesn't it, usually? Yeah. Um, to have it fresh in your mind what exactly what happened. So, Blade Runner 2049, we'll look at that next week. Movie, movie recommendations. We always do this after the podcast review. And um, our movie recommendations, mine anyway, are based on this movie. And I'm going with, there's a movie with Jason Bateman called This Is Where I Leave You. And it's a, a movie surrounding death. Um, there's been a death in the family, and the family come together to mourn. And uh, it has a vibe of this movie. You know what I mean? Like the feeling of a family. Hmm. I disagree, but I did like that movie. But uh, this is not a family in this movie, what we just watched, but they are a family at heart. Like it's like they became a family because they were in Nam together. But uh, this is where I leave you. And my second one is a Steve Carell movie called Foxcatcher. And Steve Carell is very, very good at being a very quiet... The Foxcatcher character is actually a real guy, but it's creepy, right?
1: If you think about it, even his comedy isn't, like, it's outrageous only because it's, a lot of it's understated. Michael
0: Scott's not very understated, though, is he?
1: He's not understanding what he says, but often he says it in a way that's just sort of flat and, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and then you're like, oh my god, he's so inappropriate. So that's what a lot of that comedy is, so I think he's just good at that, digging out the subtlety. Of an outrageous situation.
0: Brick from uh, Anchorman is kind of quiet. (laughs) Yeah, he's... (laughs) Subtle. Yeah. So uh, that's my two. uh, Foxcatcher and This Is Where I Leave You.
1: And mine are... Well, I was going to find something from the people in the movie and as soon as she opened the door and you were like, who is it? It was Cicely Tyson from, like, Roots. And fried green tomatoes. So fried green tomato roots. Uh, for TV original TV series. I don't know where you can find it anymore, but fried green tomatoes. While I think now it might seem a bit pretentious, of its time, a lot. At the at the time I saw it originally, I was in love with it. So fried green tomatoes, and then the boy in the picture, because we never meet the boy, and his voice reading the letter was actually in the remake. Or the new make of Cabin Fever. So I'm not recommending the new make of Cabin Fever, oh, but no. the original Cabin Fever. <laughs> so Cabin Fever, or whatever year it was, I mean, it was only seven years ago or
0: something? It's not very old. I still found it very, very odd that the, they made Cabin Fever, and then a few years later, well, maybe five or six years later, they remade Cabin Fever, but it was remade by the same team of people. Like what was wrong with the original one? I don't. I really don't understand it. It was kind of weird.
1: I mean, a painter can paint the same subject a thousand times and nobody complains. A songwriter no. can write about the same broken-hearted relationship a thousand times and nobody gives a shit. So if the same filmmaker wants to make the same movie without it, it's not a sequel.
0: But make it worse We're than talk- the first one.
1: That's subjective, but.
0: <laughs> but you know that to be true.
1: I don't know if it was worse because I don't know how good they are quality, because I just happened to love the first one because it was so gross. But that's not a standard by which to measure quality.
0: Um, Uh, The odd um, choice of uh, good news on the horror movie front, just before we uh, go on to my stuff, is um, Rob Zombie's announced this week that his new movie is The Devil's Rejects 2. mm -hmm. So after that last one he made, what was it called? 31. Yeah, which I actually kind of despise.
1: Do despise it. There was
0: no fun for me in that movie. And I love, like, stuff like that. But it was so overindulgent and Cherry Moon Zombie just, like, oh, God. I, I, it makes yeah. me cringe thinking of it. It was so, you know, The Devil's Rejects the, and The House of a Thousand Corpses, more so The Devil's Rejects for me. I think it's really excellent horror movie. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing a remake, uh, not a remake, a sequel. That 30... Oh, God. Do you remember... Even, like... What's he called? From Clockwork Orange in it. Like, what the hell? Like, he was in it. Yeah, what was he thinking? Yeah. I don't know about that movie. But anyway, yeah, Rob Zombie uh, is going to do Devil's Rejects 2. It's filming soon. So I'm I'm, I'm actually excited about that.
1: The original Cabin Fever. The original. 2002. Yeah. So 14 years later, he remade the same movie. Yeah. And it's it's not a sequel... And it's not a remake like we're going to modernize it. It's just actually a remake with a few variant. I mean,
0: obviously, some of it's different, but
1: it's not like, much. Pretend not... that one doesn't exist for a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, games and A. Scully stuff this week uh, on our While the X Files is Running. I wanted to take a, talk about the X Files each week. So, we watch this week's X Files, which was um, more of a comedy kind of uh, episode. It was called The Lost Art of Forehead Sweat. Um, so, Sita, what did you think of this week's X-Files?
1: That was really fun. Now, the concept, I thought, was, as with all of these new new version of new f- X-Files, they're being, as we say, you know, like I say a lot, up their own ass. Like, we're going to pay homage to everything x file and not really grow much. That's kind of what this felt like to me, except it was quite funny and quite cute. And I laughed the whole time pretty much um, because it wasn't the big story,
0: which is what always irritates me. It was, um, I would call it silly. Yeah. But in a good way. Like, you know what? Like, it was very silly. And it was a.
1: But it's like, oh my God, look how silly we are. That kind of thing. And I don't always appreciate that. I don't know self-awareness. It was,
0: it was one of those um it, it, I loved in the middle of the in the middle of this episode where they did the opening title sequence and then did clips from the old X-Files but with this new character introduced into the scenes. Yeah. I thought that was really funny and really cleverly done like also the ending part with the alien that comes on with the segue and everything that was also awesome. And then there's a really poignant moment at the end where Sc- where Scully brings that jelly out and she's gonna eat it, and it's like the thing. It yeah. almost talks about the show. Yeah, it's definitely. Like, it's like
1: oh, it's like everything we've ever talked about, like Blade Runner, for example. I haven't seen it since then. Now, at the time, I would have watched it and been like completely in love with it, You're like oh my, like, mesmerized watching it. Now, is it better to watch it again or just remember it the right. way I remember it? Because a lot of that stuff, like music from when you were a child or TV shows from when you were a child. Or toys. Places. Even? Yeah, you look at it, you video games, you know, from playing old, you're like, oh, how cool, I can play this again. And then, like, two seconds later, you're like, oh.
0: Yeah, mm, right. What was I'm, I thinking about
1: that? <laughs> I've, I've moved on. So, yeah, I thought that was, and they have some political commentary in there.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite clear the X Files team. Are pretty liberal, and it's also not necessarily
1: a, liberal, but they don't particularly like the
0: current political administration. Yeah, that
1: doesn't mean they're liberal,
0: uh, and also, um, that bit at the end I was just talking about was like it's like this thing you remember as a kid, this tasty jelly that she talks about. What was it called? It wasn't real. It wasn't real, right? But like, let's say it's Jello. You loved Jello as a kid. But there
1: was not- a thing that had three layers. When you make it and it sets, it would separate itself. So and, there and was a thing
0: in Scully's mind that is just the ultimate. Like you made that and you sat there and it was delicious. And she remembers the exact flavor. And the other one was terrible, but this one was good. And then at the end, she makes one and they're about to eat it, and it's kind of like, no, it's probably the memory of it is better than the eating. So correct leave it. and. I really do think they're talking about this show, The X Files. Oh, right. All those episodes back then that you've. They're still there. You can go and enjoy them, right? But.
1: It may not be the same. (laughs) Might not be the
0: same, right? Yeah. Like, it's. I don't know. It was was pretty poignant at the end. Um, It's my favorite episode so far. And it is a silly episode. But The X Files is not afraid to do silly. And it has done silly pretty much every season. Um, so yeah. And the sad thing about it is I keep thinking, this is, we're not going to see much more X-Files now. I, f- I feel like we're coming to the end of it and, uh, I-, I still enjoy it. <laughs> uh, so game that I've been playing this week is Assassin's Creed Origins, which is the new Assassin's Creed game, which takes place in Egypt. Egypt is a really fascinating historical time. And it takes place around the time, uh, the rise of Cleopatra. You actually do get to meet Cleopatra. I've not met her yet, but I can tell that she's going to be coming up in this game, you know. Um, so, do you know your Egyptian history, Sid Talk? I don't. Um, did you do history at school? Uh, that- in what context? Like, the first thing we, when we did history at school, the first things we learned about was, like, Egyptian and Romans.
1: I'm sure I did, but I wasn't paying attention, I'm sure.
0: Right. Well, Egyptians have always been, I've always been very, It's very, you know, it's painted as, like, a real, like, um, romanticized thing, isn't it? You know, pyramids and pharaohs and maybe some spiritual thing or some, you know even some people even think there was like supernatural powers and all that kind of stuff back then. That's how we kind of painted in our history. But, um, yeah, you're playing Assassin's Creed basically. And you're this guy and, uh, it's this big open world and you can visit the pyramids and you can go underneath them and you can loot the tombs and you can, you know, uh, you can ride a camel across the desert. You can, you have an Eagle that you've trained that you can fly. You know, it's, um, New Assassin's Creed, basically. They seem to have changed it a lot from the last Assassin's Creed game, which take, took place in London in Victorian times. Uh, there's, what I really like about the Assassin's Creed games is they actually cover history and cover it seriously. They don't make a joke out of history. They don't They don't go, well, there was this time in history, so we'll just make up some bullshit. for our They don't story.
1: do alternate universes?
0: They don't really alternate universe it. They um, make... The assassins, whoever the assassin is of the time, kind of go through event, real events of those times, and he existed there. Like, So, you know, there was one where your assassin was in the Civil War, and there was one where your assassin was in Victorian Britain. You know, they just mix the assassins into real history somehow. And that's what they're doing in this one, and it's just really cool. I just did a got to a part where I'm doing uh, chariot races in the Hippodrome, which is awesome, because uh, who doesn't want to do chariot races? And also, uh, what's that fight to the death thing that the Romans did? Well, the Egyptians did it before them, so we've got that too. So, uh, yeah, Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, it, it's very, very good. Probably my favourite Assassin's Creed game so far. They've just done so many changes to the way it plays that it makes it easier to play. There's not—they've not They've not... There's usually lots and lots and lots of systems at play. They seem to have stripped it back a bit and made it more simple. A lot of people compare it to The Witcher. I agree, it is very similar to The Witcher 3. So if you like The Witcher 3, you probably like Assassin's Creed Origins. So Sita, what's for dinner?
1: Tonight is going to be, for you, a black bean burger, a fried egg,
0: and vegetables of some kind.
1: Nice. Or some beans. You guys have high-protein I'll fried
0: egg on toast. Oh. Sounds all right.
1: That does sound good. And uh, I will have leftovers. Macaroni and cheese and some uh, quorn. That's a brand. Q-U-O-R-N. Chicken. C-H-I-K. We have to spell it out for you because it's not actually chicken because we're vegetarian and that's why I'm telling you what we're eating because you can live and survive quite a robustly, because I am, you know, I could probably lose 100 pounds. So it's not like uh, being a vegetarian makes you all skinny and hippy dippy and love the world, because trust me, I'm not any of those things. Zero of those things, except the vegetarian part. So we like to tell you that there is life after meat, and uh, tonight that's what is on order.
0: And your advice before we leave?
1: My advice is. Dun, 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 in relation to this because I'm not I'm a um, I don't know what you call it I'm probably would be an addictive personality if you if that's a thing I'm orally fixated if that's a thing I've either got to be and he said it in this movie and I was like yes that's it that's like the thing either I have to be talking eating drinking sucking on a cough drop, chewing gum, biting my lip, biting my fingernail, something that's orally fixated has nothing to do with blowjobs. So don't think that. (laughs) Oral fixation is like psychological problem or hiccup where you need that. I don't know what it is. So for me, I love eating food, but I need to be healthier. I'm 50 now. And so I'm trying to not eat lunch every day and that's it. That's all I'm trying to do is just don't I don't eat breakfast anyway, and then just don't eat any lunch, drink some coffee, tea during the day. Like today, I had some Cheetos because I was out and about, and I had some cheese a little bit ago before we started this, but, and then you were like, oh, is it this? Is it fasting? And you were trying to label it. I'm like, don't fucking label it. As soon as you name it, I will quit. If I name it and I give it a thing, like a, like a structure, I will quit. I won't do it. Because I don't, I can't. (laughs) I have a brick wall in my brain about that kind of shit. And if you say, Oh, I'm going to do, you know, daily fasting for 18 hours. Well, then on this 14th hour, I'm going to be like, I really want a Cheeto. Fuck it. I'm eating a Cheeto. I'm done with the fasting, right? I'm done. I've quit. I'm not, I'm not a person like you who sees the end goal and that's enough. That's not how I am. I'm more like, yeah, just breeze on through it and whatever floats my boat. And for the last, week. I haven't actually had Cheetos yesterday again because I was judging a debate tournament for the high school. And on a day when you're just like hanging out there all day or all afternoon and then today all day, food just comes into your mind. So I had some Cheetos and some coffee. That was about it. But overall, not not thinking about eating lunch and I'm not thinking about fasting. I'm just doing the thing where uh, I'm just going to eat lunch and eat some supper when I get home and that's it.
0: I didn't actually eat anything this afternoon. I just, when you were talking about that, then I was like, I didn't even <laughs> have a snack. I just had some. Because we
1: were watching our movie and visitors tea. and yeah. Yeah. So if you're, if you can't figure out why you can't stick to a thing like, oh, I'm going to do keto. Oh, I'm going to do high, low carb. I'm going to do high protein. And then you do it for a little while and then you don't anymore because at some point you, something happened and you call it a failure. I don't call it a failure, but, um. Maybe it's, maybe you're like me. And if I get on a scale, I'll give up. If I get on a scale and you say to me, oh, you've lost two pounds. I'd be like, only two fucking pounds? I have not eaten lunch for a month. (laughs) I give up. I'm not doing it anymore. So that's how my mind works. And you, I'm old enough now that can't change. But what I can do is realize, yeah, if I don't think about it and I don't, label it, and I don't measure it, and I don't structure it, and I just do it, like shut up about it and just do it, that works better. And as soon as you start giving me these little boxes and tick boxes and lists and, you know, names and stuff, then I'm like, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. So maybe you're like me. And whatever it is could be a thing that you want to do. But for me, it's about being healthier, like, you know, food-wise Definitely need less calories, not calories, less um, things that cause inflammation. And even that, if I try to guideline that, I'll just give up on that too. But, you know, just cut everything in half, maybe. Don't eat at lunch, blah, blah, blah. And before I know it, three months will pass and I'll be doing doing it. So
0: that's my advice. Three months will pass and you'll lose two pounds. (laughs) (laughs) I won't know because I'm not weighing myself, so. All right, so uh, if you want to visit my website, it's aschoolie.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch us on this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Google Play Store. Go to the RSS feed, aschoolie.com slash podcast. You can listen to the show right on the page. Or if you've got an Amazon device, you can say your trigger word, which I won't say, because it will irritate everybody out there. And uh, after that, say, listen to After the Show movie podcast on tune in and it will play the latest episode email feedback to me at ascoli at ascoli.com. don't email Sid Talk and uh, finally stay classy all these three actors actually pretty classy performances thank you
1: and I'm gonna say think for yourself
0: or someone will do it
1: for you